Hello and good day, beautiful, magical, and marvelous podcast family. What a privilege, honor, and pleasure it is to be back with you again. I hope that wherever you are on this planet that you are doing fantastic, and I am sending you all of my love, energy, well wishes, and good vibes through the airwaves. We have another amazing episode for you today. We have Garland Vance on, and we are talking about his new book, Getting Unbusy, Five Steps to Kill Busyness and Live with Purpose, Productivity, and Peace. This episode is fantastic. We have lots of practical takeaway wisdom in here. We go through the five steps to getting unbusy, the three stages of burnout, um, deconstructing, inhibiting beliefs, habits, and unwanted commitments. And he also was kind enough to give a bonus training that is inside the members area if you want to check that out. Um, We talk about being enough as you are now, the core four, um, our energy, Parkinson's law, developing an unbusy mind and calendar, and so many other amazing things. This is a fantastic episode. Um, You may have noticed that I stopped doing the podcast intros, so I just wanted to give a quick heads up to all the listeners. Um, It has been wild getting deleted everywhere um you know originally i would just go live on facebook and then go on youtube and it was nice and easy we'd upload there and then i put it in the membership area nice and quick and simple but once i got deleted it kind of shattered everything so there's like 10 other alternative platforms and with the amount of content that i create it is nuts just trying to even upload it all so i kind of trimmed the fat a little bit because also um been working more on the business side because i've got a daughter now and um You know, I've been doing the podcast hard for five years and it's mostly like a volunteer public service gig, um, but it's definitely not the full time job, but it takes uh, it takes full time hours. And so I focused a little bit more on coaching and the coaching group and the mastermind that I created this year called Atomic Alchemy, which I'd love to see you guys in um, and some more training that's coming out. So if you're interested in that, just send me an email or go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. So focus a little bit over there, but also crazy studying on uh, law and all these other things so it's been it's been insane just trying to uh, get everything out there so i i kind of had to cut some corners because we i had amazing guests reaching out and these people need to be heard and their stories need to be shared and so um if you have any questions feel free to let me know um i have um i'm on my last legs of youtube so if you're over on youtube you might notice that the videos are getting cut short there the reason being is because youtube is about to delete me as well so um i I, i'm back on Instagram. I don't even know why because they deleted me, but I'm posting over there as well. And um, I don't really use Facebook anymore. I'm on MeWe and definitely using Telegram. You can find me on Telegram, uh, t.me forward slash Matt Belair. So that's kind of what's going on. There's some other alternative platforms that I've been testing and uh, working with. And so I think uh, Rockfin and Supercast are going to be ideal and uh, Evolve Network with Chef Pete Evans is coming up as well. So that's just a little bit of an update of uh, what's been going on. It's been kind of mayhem because what it did is it take the amount of time for each podcast and it magnified it by two or three and since since this is a one-man show um it's been quite a lot to deal with also in this one you're going to notice that uh, my audio isn't as good that's because this uh, little cloud lifter thing i have has been cutting in and out and uh just kind of broke my mic so unfortunately there's a couple episodes where the uh the sound isn't as as good as i'd like it 
Um, but again, I'm not an audio engineer. I don't know what I'm doing. So um, unfortunately, I don't have the time to go through and, and scrub them all, but I'm going to be able to edit this one a little bit uh, better than it would have been. So uh, that's the update. So thank you guys so much for being here. I appreciate everybody who's decided to become a member. If you go to mattbelair.com, you'll see uh, a link where you can become a member and support the show. It really helps. Reviews are incredibly helpful right now and shares because the blacklisting and censorship is, is unlike I have ever seen uh, before. It's 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 so severe. It's it's wild. So uh, I just appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, there's going to be some amazing shows coming down the pipe. I'm going to see about if I can get some time to do these intros and outros again. And um, and hopefully I'll be able to find that time. And uh, also had to uh, thank you so much to Tanya Stoos, who's been um, volunteering and helping take just a couple things off my plate because it takes like uh i don't know like hours just to upload it on the various platforms after you get deleted so anyway that's my two cents about what's going on i appreciate you guys i uh, hope that you're having an amazing day wherever you are and uh remember to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world and um yeah let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, energy, and ready to take on this amazing episode with Garland Vance. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list. Become a member for exclusive and censorship-free content by donation or even for free. And most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, speaker, and author of the book, Getting Unbusy, Five Steps to Kill Busyness and Live with Purpose, Productivity, and Peace. Welcome to the show, Garland Vance. Thanks, Matt. Super excited to be here with you. Yeah, I'm excited about this show too. I was saying before we started, I was like, wow, a book that, uh, you know, telling us to slow down. It's not like a 10X or a 20X or a 100X. I was like, I can't even keep it, keep up with one now. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do 10. I gotta, I gotta relax. And um, I feel like overstimulation is such a massive issue uh, that's going on right now. Um, I think the the definition by a computer of multitasking is the illusion of doing two tasks while doing uh, one. And so yeah. I feel like we're in a culture of just uh, busyness and striving and struggling. And so I'm excited to have you on to speak about the book and the work. And so before we dive in, I know that you have uh, quite an extensive background. So why don't you just let the audience know a little bit about yourself and your work and what inspired you to write the book? Yeah, so uh, so I'll tell you, I'll start with kind of what inspired me to write the book and, and that'll tie into to all that stuff. Um, so it was in, in 2013 and I was uh, the director at a nonprofit and uh, in, in Georgia in the United States and was loving my life, but I was having all of these physical problems. I was having chronic migraine headaches and heart palpitations where I'd like just be sitting at my desk checking email and I would, my heart would start pounding and I'd start pouring sweat and I was in really good shape. Uh, and, and yet that was happening and I was having forgetfulness and uh, just all these physical problems. And so finally I went to the doctor and I was like, what in the world is going on? And my doctor was like, well, Garland, tell me about your life. And I said, 
doc, I've got a really good life. It's just really busy. And he said, well, tell me what in the world busyness means. And I said, well, I'm, I work 50 to 60 hours a week for this nonprofit that I love. I helped rebrand it, start it, you know, pretty much from the ground up. Love that. So 50 to 60 hours a week with that. And I'm working on my doctorate in leadership, 10 to 20 hours a week. And uh, I travel about 60 days a year between work and school. And I've got three young kids I have um, that are that are just involved a little bit in the community. And we're helping, you know, build some leadership programs in the community. And, you know, oh, and by the way, Doc, my mom died last year. And so I've slowed down a lot just to give myself some time to grieve. And my doctor was like, Garland, I know exactly what your problem is. This is called stress. And I was like, I don't feel stressed out. I've never felt stressed out. And he said, well, you get migraine headaches three times a week. Your head is feeling stressed out. And he said, the reason you're so stressed out is because you're so busy. And, and I, thought he was, I thought he was full of it, honestly. I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing. I can't believe I just paid you money to tell me that I'm stressed out and that I'm stressed out because I'm busy. And so I decided to go back. And uh, since I was working on this doctorate, since I had heard so many people talk about how busy they were, I was like, I'm going to go back and start researching this and just see if, if it's really all that bad. What is it? Is it really all that bad? And as I started diving into the literature and understanding it, I was like, this thing is killing us. Like it's literally, it's killing me. He's not joking. Like it's killing me. It's killing us. And we're all bragging about how busy we are. So I, um, uh, fast forward just a little bit, um, left that organization uh, about two years later, uh, went to work uh, uh, a couple more years as a leadership development pastor at a church in the, uh, the Houston area. And as I was there, I just said, um, I've finished up my doctoral work. And I was like, man, this, this is a book that I cannot keep within me. It's got to get out into the world because we're all bragging about this thing that's really killing us. And so, man, that's how the book came about. I love that, man. That's amazing. Um, it's funny because so many people don't even notice um, what's going on. You know what I mean? We think that this is normal. And and like you said, we celebrate it. It's like, how how busy are you? It's either like, oh, I'm just on the grind or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And I remember when I was in high school, uh, all of my friends, they were going to go to university, and which, which was fine. You know, there's no problem if you want to go to university. But I was like, you guys want to work 40 hours a week. Um, some even more and you get two weeks off a year and you know, this is, this is the design of life that you want. I was like, that's, that's, that's all you can imagine. You can't imagine anything else. And then as we get older, it's like, you know, the people in the industries where they're kind of coveted, you mean like a doctor or a lawyer or something else professional, they work 60 or 80 hours a week. And I was like, yeah. that, that's your life. How, how, why would you design it like that? That seems that seems very stressful. Maybe for a period of time to accomplish something else, I can see the hard work and effort, which I believe is very important. But as the permanent idea of your highest ideal of your life, to just be incredibly busy sounds stressful. And it doesn't sound <laughs> like the most ideal scenario a human being could choose. And so I've gone through the chapters of your book and it looks amazing. I you know, it's very practical. So I'd love for you to kind of, you know, walk us through those steps. I don't, I don't know the best way to go about it, but how do we even begin to think this way? You know, you talk about, um, uh, de deconstructing inhibiting beliefs, not, not limiting beliefs. And I feel like that's a great start. You know what I mean? And the bad habits, because most people, they can't even wrap their head around slowing down 
or, yeah. or not getting more or not getting quote unquote ahead, right? They'd be like, what are you talking about? So um, yeah, maybe you can walk us through some of the steps and what you teach in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the place to begin, so there, there's five steps. They all start with D it's decide, deconstruct, design, develop, and draw others in. And really the first place you have to, to begin is with this step of decide and that's decide if busyness is worth it, decide if you are busy and then decide what you're going to do about it. And so in, in that first part, deciding if busyness is worth it, it's really looking at the, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the relational toll that that busyness takes on us. So I, I tell you what, pick your poison right here, Matt. Do you want to talk about what busyness is doing to us physically, mentally, emotionally, or relationally? What's the one you, you want to start with? Uh, mentally. Okay. So, so mentally, so think in terms when it comes to, to busyness, the more uh, windows you have open in a computer, the slower your RAM becomes, right? Which means that you can have 10, 15, 20 different windows open up, but all of those are conflicting with each other. They're, you know, kind of crashing into each other and slowing each other down. So busyness, uh, I define it as an overcommitment to too many good commitments. Busyness, uh, like I was busy because of work, because of parenting, because of education, because of helping out in the community. All of those things, when you put them, are, are good, but when you put them together, they become too much. And it's the same thing, just like with RAM. Mentally, we have all of these projects and tasks and commitments that are open, and we can't give focused attention and intention to any of them because it's taking up all of the RAM in our mind. Yeah, absolutely. I love that analogy. I've actually used the exact same one before. So nice. I, I love it's that. Great right? minds, man. Yeah, great right? minds. And so the same thing with like your storage of how much space you have, right? The more you have, they call it, I think it's open loops in neurology or psychology, where if you, let's say, wake up and you're stressed about a friend maybe in the hospital, that would have a large emotional toll. So you mm. might be thinking about that a lot. That'd be a strong emotional loop. If you go, then you go into the kitchen, you turn on the stove and then you're boiling some water then you go in and brush your teeth but the stove is another open loop so you're you're consciously just being aware of that right then you've yeah. got a baby in the other room and you know there's something dangerous over there right you could have moved the scissors but they're in reach of the baby so now you got in all these open loops and so what what the idea is to shut down those open loops close as many of those windows as possible so that way you're more clear and you're more focused and i just think about the martial arts and the japanese traditions of simplicity you know mm -hmm. and i think there's a there's a quote by Michelangelo or someone like that is just like, you know, brilliance is in simplicity or something like that. And they have immense focus and immense mastery and, and immense attention to detail, right? They're just very, very focused. And that's a skill that needs to be cultivated. Whereas when you're very busy, you're not really doing that. You're spread too thin. So you're not giving uh, full focus to anything uh, yeah. or to any one subject. So can you talk a little bit about um, how this affects us? emotionally as well. And then we can move on to the second step. Yeah. So emotional, this one is, is fascinating to me. So busyness has actually been linked to burnout. Now, if you think about this in 2019, the world health organization came out and they said, um, burnout is a chronic workplace medical condition 
And they said, we're not exactly sure what to do about it. Now, this was one month after Getting Unbusy had come out. And I, I was like, I know what to do about it. Uh, because what's happening with our emotions uh, when we experience burnout and is you, you've essentially got three stages in burnout. The first is what's called emotional exhaustion. And emotional exhaustion means that when you wake up in the morning, you don't feel like you have the energy or the capacity to deal with that day's issues. Like before you've even gotten out of bed, life feels like it's too much. That's the first stage of burnout is this emotional exhaustion. Then the second stage you move to is what's known as depersonalization. And depersonalization is when we begin to actively dislike and resent the very people that were there to care about the most. So I can remember like when I was in the throes of busyness and my, you know, I had three little kids at the time and they would come to me and be like, dad, can you get me a glass of water? Dad, can you help out? And on the, on the outside, I was supposed to be, yes, I'd love to do that. But on the inside, I was mad at them. I was furious that they would interrupt me. I had important things to do. And there they were, you know, asking me to help them get a glass of water. And then the final stage of burnout is what's called a, a loss of sense of personal accomplishment. And that's a stage where it doesn't matter what you do. It never feels like it's enough. It never feels like it's good enough. You could win the, the award that you've been trying to win your whole life. And yet still inside, it's going to be like, I, there's so much more I couldn't do. I didn't do. Um, so emotionally, what busyness does is it leads us into this feeling of burnout, which is emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, loss of sense of personal accomplishment. And none of it is because those things are true. It's because we're so busy that we can't slow down enough to enjoy life and enjoy the moment we have in front of us. You son of a gun. <laughs> I feel I feel like I'm burning out some, you know, this has been a very stressful year and I and uh you know, I've gone through that range of emotions for sure. Um it's been it's been challenging in many ways and I feel like it's been challenging for a lot of people handling yeah. the different stresses and their work and handling the family. You know, I've been this year uh, researching my my butt off harder than ever before trying to put out content and then figuring out the business side, but then also learning about freaking survival and like all this other <laughs> stuff you know what i mean i'm just like i don't have enough time i'm rolling yeah. through videos that are like 1.75 and 2 i'm like just sucking in the information so <laughs> you know so i think you're you're, you're definitely um ex expressing what i've been experiencing personally for for a little bit um you know in varying degrees thankfully yeah so let's move into some solutions so can you talk about uh the deconstruct bit of this yeah. Yeah. So the biggest aha that I had as I was doing the research around this was what, what most people do is when they say, I'm too busy, they immediately jump into, I need to identify what my purpose is. I need to develop a life plan. I need to create some new goals. Don't do it. That's a horrible idea, but it's what most people do. And the reason that it's a horrible idea is because busyness, like I said, is an overcommitment to too many good commitments. Well, when you start 
moving immediately into life planning and goal setting, you add more commitments onto an overcommitted life. So the big aha was this, okay, before we can ever move into the intentional living, we need to do some deconstruction. And specifically, it's deconstructing some inhibiting beliefs that we have, uh, these beliefs that really keep us trapped in busyness, deconstructing some bad habits that keep us trapped in busyness, and then deconstructing what I call unwanted commitments, where you actually go through and get some of the commitments out of your life. I love that. Can you, is, there, is there a distinction between inhibiting beliefs and limiting beliefs or are you using them as synonyms? Yeah, so I would use them as synonyms. I, in, in the book, what I talk about is an inhibiting belief isn't false. And I think the same thing with limiting beliefs is it's not necessarily false. It could be true, could be false. But because you believe it, it's holding you back. So I think they're pretty similar. Okay, great. And so can you speak about maybe some common inhibiting beliefs? And, and I and I love that the deconstruction phase is so important. And a lot of the work I've been doing this year and actually in the past is connecting to people to quote unquote their life purpose. And sometimes, you know, I'll get a client and we'll be working for like three months or something. And I say, you know, it's not going to be that challenging to find what your life purpose is because for me, it's a direction. It doesn't end. You know, yeah. recently I've used the exam example of Conor McGregor. He's got two world champions at 30, like two weight classes. So if you were to design his life as you know a younger person, say, I want to make the UFC and be a champion, then a champion in two weight classes, well, crap, he did it at 32. So it's like, <laughs> right. or, or whatever his age was, like, now what do I do? So from that place, you get to expand and develop so we can find a meaningful direction. But the first stage is you need to be able to quiet your mind. If you're working 60 hours and you're getting up and you don't have a time to think, a time to reflect, a time to relax, a time to really contemplate some important questions, you know, you shouldn't be moving forward. And you can stay in that period for as long as you want because that's a very important step of the work, maybe yeah. even the most important. So you just get to stay there and enjoy that for as long as you want, knowing you're doing something very productive. Until then, you take another action because like you said, most people, what they do is they stack on top and they stack on top and then it's like, this isn't working. Well, of course it's not working. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about these. There's actually three inhibiting beliefs that are the most common inhibiting beliefs that keep us trapped in busyness. So the first and really the most uh, prolific is I need to be more. Something is intrinsically wrong with me and I need to be more. I need to be a better dad. I need to be a better person. I need to be a better leader. I need to be a better per business person. Okay. So, um, so that's the first. The second is I need to do more. And so that's, you know, my checklist should be longer. That's kind of the hustle mentality that's out right now, you know, that's really popular is I need to work longer hours, get more done, you know, uh, drink more caffeine, sleep less hours. It's all the and rage the, with the kids right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a drug in and of itself. Right. Yeah. And then the third is I need to get more. So um, this is one where I, I think there's some people who really think in terms of economically, I need to get more, I need to make more money. And so that drives us into busyness. But there's also an experiential 
version of I need to get more, which says um, I need to travel more. I need to get more experiences. And every time we do that, there's nothing wrong with those things in any way. But every time we do that, we're adding more and more commitments into our life. So I'm going to show you how this uh, tell, or tell you how it works in, in my own life. So I love reading. I'm a big reader. But I've discovered that um, going into bookstores can actually drive me to busyness because what will happen is I'll walk into a bookstore and I'll go to the section that I always love and I'll start reading the titles. And as soon as I, you know, I read it, it's, you know, uh, how to be a badass marketer. And I'm like, oh gosh, that's what I need to be. I need to be more of that. And then I read the next title and it's how to be a better leader. And I'll read the next title and it's, you know, how to 10 X your productivity. And so I'm reading all of these titles and every title is telling me I need to be more. I need to be more. I need to be more, which immediately drives me into I need to do more. Now I need to read more books. I need to do what they say. I need to, you know, here's all the stuff that I need to do. And then it, that immediately leads into I need to get more. Okay. I need to buy these books. I need to like, I need to start accumulating information and spending money. And that immediately drives me into busyness. And so for me, like even just going into a bookstore, I have to go in and mentally prepare myself of, hey, I'm good. I'm enough. I'm okay but I'm going to go in here and see if there's anything that interests me. And uh, so it's just a total uh, change of getting rid of those inhibiting beliefs and replacing them with empowering truths that only you can define uh, for yourself. But it's those empowering truths that say, I don't need to be more, do more and get more. Wow. Well, that's a, a very uh, deep concept and it. And it reminds me of my own life because I remember when I was younger, uh, the internet was, man, I guess I'm old. Um, the internet was kind of <laughs> like coming in and like, I remember finishing high school and was like, Whoa, like there's so many books I have time to read now because I wasn't interested. And I was reading some stuff here and there, but, uh, I would go into the, um, the spirituality section and the self-help section. And I would see the whole row of books and I'd be like, oh my goodness, I got to read through all these. And I remember clearing out sections of books over a summer over time. And then it, then Audible came in, right? And I started crushing <laughs> on Audible and uh, I would get the CDs. You know, this is back in time the CDs. I go to the library and get all those personal development tapes. So I'd take those CDs, I'd upload them onto my computer and just crush and then crush, you know, I mean, a whole sections I'd be wiping out of the library. And then I went to a bigger city and had a better library. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God. Right. So each time it gave this feeling of like not enough and I needed to be more. And then every time I would just crush so much content, I would kind of feel the same. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't emotionally feel like I had gotten anywhere. You know, I kind of was like, yeah, I got all this done. But, uh, you know, I feel like in one way it's a, it's a trap and a very deep concept of just being enough as you are. And, and that's something as I've gotten older that I've really tried to embody for myself and then definitely in, in what I teach because one of the examples I give is my daughter is like 15 months or 18 months and uh, she's super tiny. So is she enough when she can speak English? Is she enough mm. when she can ride her bike? Is she enough when she's in uh, high school? Is she enough when she graduates high school? Is she enough when she graduates university if she chooses to do that? Is she enough when she starts her first job? Right. And so the interesting thing is some, yeah. some place we, we believe we're adults, right? Wherever that happens, if it's at 25, if it's at 30, if it's at 35, um, but you could be 
21 to 23 and or 29 and start a business and maybe that business fails and then are you not enough then or maybe you get this big raise and, and you climb up the ladder so the whole point of this is to say that we can be enough as we are wherever we are in the process it's just if we're going to choose to have that perspective and actually integrate it because um you know i even had a guest on a while back and you know he was very successful uh in every way financially emotionally spiritually and um you know he was in his years he'd, re he'd released a great book and then we had like a two-hour talk after the podcast he invited me on his show and he's just like you know it's great to talk to you because i'm trying to figure out what the heck i'm going to do now he accomplished so much in his life wow and he was at this stage where he was beginning to re-explore and mm. reimagine, you know, after creating multi-million dollar businesses, successful books and, and a radio show. And, but he came to that uh, sense again. And so it's this never ending process. And, and we all have to learn that the truth is we are enough as we are now. Just can we integrate that? Because there's usually something else. And I say, like, if there's anything else that makes you fulfilled, like uh, a job or a material item or a relationship mm. or a book that you need to read or whatever, that's not as true as being fulfilled and whole and harmonious as you are now without that thing. And no matter what that thing is, it will change. Whatever yeah. it is that you think you need, whether it's a relationship or money or the job, it will change. And so that's not the thing. That's that's a trap. That's an illusion. So uh, maybe you want to speak yeah. on that a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, and I think that's exactly what happens with busyness is we convince ourselves that the busier we are, the more important we are. Um, busy people, uh, you know, we, we convince ourselves busy people are important people. And so if, if every minute of the day is filled with obligations, then I must be important. And then we begin to convince ourselves if every minute of the day is filled, then it's, it's in an indication that I'm striving for something I'm striving for greatness. And, what we fail so often to see is the very things, uh, to your point, it's the very things that we're striving for that actually distract us from great, from greatness. So I'm all for, you know, the way that I say it in, in um, the book is I did not want to lose my type A personality. I, I'm a type A personality. I have big dreams. I have big goals. And I, I kind of like that about myself. And I love people who are like that. I think they kind of drive the world forward uh, in a lot of ways. I like being a type A personality. What I don't like is being a stressed out type A personality being a distracted type A personality. And all of those things are what comes with busyness. So absolutely go after your goals, go after big dreams, all those things, but do it in a way that's focused, that's intentional, that leads to, to peace in our lives because we're not so stressed out, overwhelmed and exhausted. I love it. Beautiful. Well said. So let's dive in a little bit to the design because I'm curious about that. Once we can get there, uh, and this is what I like about your book is that it is uh, practical. Whenever I read a yeah. personal development book, which I've read many, and including <laughs> audible books and trying to crush those is how to how to crush more audible books in a week you know i read that book <laughs> so, so, you know dial it up to 2.0 you know what i mean my brain has just been like you know, i don't know if there's that image of your face like sucked into the tv or the computer but that's been like my year just like absorbing all the info but can you can you talk a little bit about the design phase 
Sure. So once you actually start deconstructing the inhibiting beliefs, bad habits, unwanted commitments from your life, then it's time to step into to this step three where you begin to design the life you want to live. And so I think there's two things that are really important to touch on in this. The first is I talk about designing the pace and space of life. Um, and what I mean by that is you actually have to pick how you want to live. What's the speed that you want to live at? What's the, the space or the margin that you want to have in your life? And what I was seeing so many people do is they would get out of one meeting and they would already be late for the next meeting. They would, you know, they were like running down the hall, panting, just trying to make it to their next obligation. And for me, what I said is I, 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 again, I'm going to be a high achiever, but I want to do it in a way where I can move at a pace that pays attention to relationships. I want to move at a pace that can stop in the moment and, and enjoy things. I want to make sure that I have tons of margin. So you want to design the pace and the space. And then the second insight that I would say from this step is you want to design what I called the core four. Now, this is this was incredible. Uh, as I started researching, one of the questions in my mind was, what do highly productive but unbusy people do differently with their calendars? How do they design their lives differently? And and here was the 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 thing that that threw me for a loop is. Most people talk about relationships and recreation, doing things you love to do and, and rest, you know, sleep and mental rest and reflection. They talk about relationships, recreation, rest, reflection as if they're really, really important. And then they try to cram those into the nooks and crannies of life. But the problem is for busy people, there are no nooks and crannies in life. Their lives are so overfilled. What I found is that highly productive but unbusy people would, would actually go into their calendars. And the first things that they did is they scheduled their time in relationships. They scheduled recreation, doing things they love to do for the sheer enjoyment of doing it. They scheduled rest and they scheduled reflection. And then they built everything else around that. So rather than trying to fit those in to spaces in life that don't exist, they prioritized those things and then built everything else around them. So if you want to design an unbusy life, that's what you you begin to do is you put relationships and recreation and rest and reflection, put them into your calendar, make sure they get into your life and then build everything else around it. That's amazing. I love that too. And I think that it makes sense in terms of optimization as well, because those are the things that we somehow rationalize are not important. You know, like yes. whenever we sit down and we think about our values or, um, you know, your end of life, right? And, and we know what people regret the end of life is um, not spending time with family or kid. You know, they're like, ah, I wish I wish I didn't work so much. And everyone's like, ah, I really wish I, I worked more hours and spent less, <laughs> right. less time with my family. You know, that was no good. Um, you know, and so we know that from, from interviewing people who have uh, passed on. And, but what happens, we get stuck in the mind. And the mind will rationalize why our health is less important, why our reflection and downtime is less important, why this relationship can kind of hold off. And what happens is that our enthusiasm and our emotions go down. And yep. as emotional, spiritual beings, 
we need that high and intact and full of integrity to be focused, to be energetic, to be present, to be positive in all the other aspects. And so it's like um, going into a UFC fight or going into the Olympic gold medal competition. Let's just say rowing because that's apparently the most brutal one there ever was. Um, mm. You know, if you're going at 70% or even 50% energy, unless if you think 51% is positive and 49% would be negative and lethargic and, and busy and scatterbrained, most people are 49 and below. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, so if we can get to that teeter and just go above, just be a little bit more enthusiastic, a little bit more centered, a little bit more at peace, a little, you know, just on the 51 side, we'll change our whole outlook on, on life. It'll be absolutely transformational and in a night and day switch. Yeah, absolutely. That man, that that's so, so it, and, and, you know, you know this, but how do we get energy? Well, it's, it, we get energy in a couple of ways. One, one is we expend energy, right? So the physical work that we do. So I think that's recreation. A lot of times is just getting out. So today I, I just got out. I'm in Florida right now for a couple of weeks to, to spend time with uh, my wife's family. And it was beautiful outside and the end of the day came and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to walk and just feel the sunshine. And, and the, the crazy thing is I use energy, but as a result of that walk, I got back way more energy. So, and, and the relationships that we have, in fact, there's two types of relationships that, that people really need to spend time on. And a lot of times we, we miss this. The first is what we would call our most important relationship. So a lot of times those people have the same last name as us, you know, or their, their, uh, family, and the awesome thing with family is uh, they're going to be there. Hopefully it's, it's lifelong, but the truth of the matter is, and, and don't tell this to anybody else, but the truth of the matter is sometimes our most important relationships actually drain us of energy, especially if you have like young kids or, or things like that. Like those, those little people can absolutely drain the, the energy out of you. So you need time for your most important relationships. But there's a second type of relationship that's really important. And I call those your most energizing relationships. So these are the people who when you spend time with them, you feel more alive, you feel more energized, like you get back energy by spending time uh, with them. And a lot of times, those are the relationships that busy people say, I don't have time for or, you know, they kind of put it on the back burner. But those relationships have a huge return on investment. Every hour you spend with energizing people, you're getting back two, three, four hours worth of energy. I love that example. And it reminds me of this one teaching I did uh, by a very, very interesting guy in general uh, named Corey Herter. I just keep trying to get him on the podcast. He'll come one day. And he was showing the uh, uh, tree of life in in sacred geometry so you've got the middle tree that's i think six or eight and then three on the side right okay. and, he, and he was talking about the correlation right so how it all bounced out right how they were all connected and one of the ideas he said over here you've got friendships and on the other side you've got uh uh your recreation no no yeah so you've got your recreation on one side and then the friendships on the other and he goes well if you look at the average person and what they do, so uh, you, you work your nine to five job, well, what do they do for recreation? Most of the time they meet their buddies at the pub and that's the thing, right? Very, very low energy, right? Not judging it. It's just when you go in there, you're not, 
you're not doing a lot of high energy stuff. But if you go into some of the peak performers or the you know top CEOs of the world or things like that, often when they are doing something, they'll do trips like uh, uh, cat skiing or whitewater rafting or whatever. And if you imagine the energy, and this is integrating into the body. When you are on a whitewater rafting or when I'm snowboarding and, and dropping off a cliff or I'm doing something extreme, my body is super focused, but it's cultivating tons of energy as a high, high state. And then that energy transfers to the other orb on the other side. So your mm. job, that can move into a, a vocation or a livelihood. So you start with a job because it makes money and it's just guaranteed. Then you move up to passion work. You know, mm. you get that to s stabilize through your expertise, through offering value to getting a level of mastery. And then you, you create something that provides value. Then you can do that about three times in a lifetime. That leaves your legacy. Nice. Right? And so as you increase the, um, the energy on the side that uplifts you, maybe it's training in a sport or going out, you know, going on an adventure, going on a travel that will create high energy states it transfers to the other side. And it was just like an interesting analogy um, that I had never considered before. So I feel like that lesson is very similar. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get that guy on the podcast, man. If you're <laughs> listening, you need to be on the podcast. That's genius. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll tell him, Corey, get out of here, man. He's, he's, one, <laughs> he's one fascinating guy. I'll tell you that. So why don't we go into the develop stage and talk a little bit about that, that part? Yeah, so so one of the really interesting parts of this is the developed part is where it gets super practical. So I think the book is is really practical, but a lot of the work that you have to do ahead of time is the the mental work. It's the committing to that that busyness isn't worth it. Um, it's thinking about the design, and then finally we get into develop, and develop is when we begin to develop uh, unbusy habits, an unbusy mind, and unbusy calendar. And I, I mean, it's little simple things like unbusy mind is just taking stuff with you everywhere you go to write down or to capture the ideas that you have, but then also taking time on a daily basis to process through the ideas that came to your mind. You will, I can guarantee you, you will have more ideas than you will ever have time and energy to do all of those ideas. And so you really have to decide pretty quickly, capture all the ideas, but then at the end of the day go, ah, that's not for now. That's, I'm going to delete that. Oh, I'm going to commit to that. Mm, I want to come back to that in, in a couple of years. Um, and so just beginning to, to slow your mind down. And then I would say one other really important practice, and this came out of, of developing an unbusy calendar is taking 24 hours off every week. And what's crazy about this is, you know, the ancient faith traditions call that a Sabbath, but you, all it is, is it's saying for 24 hours, I'm going to disengage from anything that I consider work. So what's work? Work is any obligation that you have to do or anything that you feel like you have to do. Okay. That's what work is. So for me, doing stuff out in the yard, like mowing the yard, fixing things up, that's work. I hate that stuff, but I have a next door neighbor that's life giving to him. So picking 24 hours and, and actually blocking it out in your life where, it, and if you have a family doing it with your family, and saying for 24 hours, we are not going to engage in any work. We're not going to engage in anything that feels like an obligation. 
And and this is what one of the things I think was so awesome with it is there's this principle called Parkinson's law. And and Parkinson's law says work expands to fill the time allotted. So the, the beauty of this thing is with every client I've ever worked with, I'll say to them, I want you to take 24 hours off. And they'll be like, I can't possibly take how am I? I have 10 days worth of work and I'm trying to cram it into seven. And I'm like, hey, take 24 hours off. Give it a month. Try it. And you'll see. And what happens every single time is they come back and they're getting so much more done in six days than they would in seven days because work always expands to fill the time allotted. So yeah, take 24 hours off every week. That's great, man. I I, I love that. And, and what I'm reminded of this interview that I had with Jeremiah Brown, he wrote a book called The Four-Year Olympian. and And he was speaking about one of the coaches he had and he said uh, he was an Olympic gold medalist and he said, what does it take to be an Olympic gold medalist? And he said, you have to commit suicide. He's like, what? He's like, uh, relationship suicide, friendship suicide, social life suicide, everything. You ha- the, the only thing that you are focused on is an Olympic gold medal for that time being. Mm. And now it's kind of like similar to what you're saying, but a little bit different. That's like a hardcore focus, but everything else was cut away. Right. Yeah. And that's what decide means. It means to cut away. And so when when he decided to be an uh, Olympic, uh, he ended up winning a silver medal and he did it in four years. And it's a truly an uh, amazing nice. story. Uh, so I check I invite people to check out that podcast. Um, but we can take that in a different way. Right. He's still not training for the Olympics. He's like, OK, what do we want to cut away in our life that isn't priority? Because we have all these amazing ideas, but we need to cut away and just focus on the highest, best ones. Otherwise, nothing's going to get done. We need to focus on one or two or three items maximum, probably just Max. one or two. You know what I mean? And then just let those be there. Maybe you'll come back to them at a different time or you're not going to give uh, what you really want, the attention, the energy and focus it's going to require for you to move forward in that. So I think that everything you're saying is is just very practical and down to earth. Um, maybe you can kind of go into the, the fifth step of drawing others in unless there's anything that you want to touch on in the develop stage. Yeah, the, the only other thing I'll say on the developed stage is, and this is really for the whole thing, the hardest person to say no to is yourself, because as soon as you have an idea, it begins to feel like an obligation. And an idea is just that. That's all it is. It's it's an idea. It popped in your head. It's It's there for a minute, and it's not an obligation. So learning to say no to yourself and say, here's the, like you were t- saying, the two or three massive priorities that I'm going to commit to. And then here's the 10,000 things that I'm going to say no to, to the best of my abilities. That's not easy. But when you learn to say no to yourself, that's going to be a a huge part. And I talk about that in the, in the deconstruct stage uh, a lot on how to, how to say no. Um, But yeah, so let's talk about step five. Step five is the one, um, man, this one hurts me. Uh, And the reason it hurts me is, uh, so step five is called draw others in. And when I first started coaching people through this process and, and, and really kind of discovering it, I only had those first four steps. And then there was a, a lady named Kim, and she had finished the first four steps. She had gotten unbusy. She had so much more time in her life. And I was like, Kim, this is amazing. I'm so proud of you. Great work. How do you feel? And she said, I feel really lonely. And I was like, no, <laughs> like that is not the word I wanted to hear. What is happening? And she said, the thing is, 
everybody I know is still busy. So I've changed my life and nobody else is going with me. And so, and so it was really in that moment where Kim helped me see, oh, wait a second, there is a fifth stage because if we just stay stuck where we're busy ourselves, we're unbusy ourselves, but everybody else around us is still busy, it's not going to lead to the fulfillment and the enjoyment that we want. And so the fifth step is draw others in. And it's about drawing in your family, drawing in your friends, and drawing in your coworkers and really helping on all aspects of your life, getting to the point where everybody around us is living at a sustainable pace and we are enjoying each other. And this can even happen in huge corporations where huge corporations will begin to say, wait a second, if we can limit our priorities, if we can get really focused on the two or three things that we're really aiming for, then everybody can live a more sustainable life, which makes a better organization. It makes a better customer experience. I mean, there's so many benefits to it, but most companies and even most families think in in terms of how do I cram more stuff in? So drawing others in is the fifth step. Yeah, man, that's that's really important. And I as I was consciously trying to figure out a different way to say I love that. Because <laughs> I've said that <laughs> I pretty much everything says I love that, man. Because I, I agree a hundred percent. My question is, how do we draw them in in practical terms? Because I feel like yeah, if I look at my own life and how I've designed it, I've made a lot of friends from all over the world and it's been fantastic. And it's interesting because the ones that I've made from all around the world in my travels, we live, we have a similar perspective on life in many ways. Mm. Um, and we design our life consciously. Uh, we all have our different uh, struggles. And the friends that I grew up with, they don't have that same I idea and when i'm trying to explain it to them or, or draw them in sometimes i get a like deer and headlights look and so um i want to draw them in and, and and get them to be to kind of see that world or that perspective and sometimes it can be challenging or like if you've got all the time off in the world to go snowboarding um you want to go snowboarding with your buddies well when i was in whistler everybody designed their life like that because it's a very high priority right D depending on yeah. the city you're in there's different priorities right you go to a surf town in hawaii or in australia people are prioritizing getting out into the ocean getting out into the water and that's why for me small mountain towns or mountain towns or people where uh, cultures where they had that same idea of of how they view life and so uh, what do you recommend for practical steps if people, cause if we can get yeah. solidified and that's another thing about busyness, it's the hamster wheel mind. There's no space for new ideas when you wake up, right. And that's what I was going to say, you son of a B at the beginning of the podcast, because <laughs> yeah. like I've woken up so many times this year and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't because I know I, I, I would wake up and I would just push play and it would be like a two hour video right? That had so, and then I would just be, I am crushing all of these videos because there's no way I'm going to talk about health and what's going on in the world without having a firm grasp of understanding everything. Oh, now there's this thing. Well, they say that, well, there's this now, boom, you know, another 20 hours later, 40 hours of research, I have a knowledge. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I kind of experienced those things. And so, um, that's kind of a side note, but how do we draw people in and, and kind of just share that? Because it's always so much more beautiful together, uh, you know, when yeah. we can do these things. 
Yeah. So when it comes to your friend, let's just talk about friends because each of these are are a little bit different. But I think um, you touched a lot on the the friendship side of things. And so when it comes to uh, to drawing in your friends, you can't have uh, an aggressive approach, right? It, it, and you know this already, but you can't just go up to them and be like, I'm unbusy. You should slow down. Look at how much more time I have, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I think the first thing that that we do when we try to draw friends in is we eliminate busy from our vocabulary, get it out of of your your vocabulary. In fact, in my family, it's a bad word. A few weeks ago, my uh, 11 year old son said, Mom, you're seeming a little bit like the B word right now. And we were all like, what? And, and then he said, you know, a little busy. And we were like, oh, okay, that is a bad word. Yes, don't, but but get it out of your vocabulary so that when your friends say, hey man, how are you doing? It's, well, I'm, I'm doing really well. Here's the parts of my life that are really fulfilling. Um, and, and so by even the way that you're responding, you're letting your friends know that you have time for them and you have time for the things that are really most important to you. And then I think beginning to ask them a lot of questions and, um, and, and you touched on this a second ago, Matt, but, but really asking them, you know, what is it that you want to do in your life? If you had all the time in the world, what would you do? And, um, and just getting some questions uh, to them and then beginning to show them and really invite them into a slower pace of life that allows them to accomplish those goals um, it is, for me, the way that I found it, it's really helpful uh, to do it. If, if we can help them slow down and see that busyness is actually the enemy that's preventing them from enjoying this, uh, from enjoying the life that they want to, to live, then we can begin saying, okay, there's actually a really simple process to, to eliminate the busyness from, uh, from our lives. And so, um, and the final thing that I would say is we, we can't expect, I've had to learn this the hard way. We can't really expect others to change as quickly, right? You know, once you've learned something, you can't unlearn it, but everybody else around you might still be ignorant of it and that's okay for them. And so it's really beginning to accept that their journey to unbusy might take a lot longer for them to even be convinced that it's the way that that they need to go. So just giving a lot of of grace and a lot of patience in the midst of it so that they can eventually slow down. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the subject of busyness is a great way to tackle so many of the problems in the world that people are experiencing as far as health happiness, relationships, and ways of being. It is, it, it's almost like busyness is this epidemic that leads into having fast food, um, yeah. you know, and not taking care of your body and uh, the way you think and the way you treat people and your emotional states. And so if you're waking up and you have a busy mind, you're going to be more stressed out, the energy is going to be low, and you're going to have problems over time. And the yep. body is magnificently resilient it's incredible if you are treating it correctly with the proper food uh the the diet the exercise all those different things it's not that complicated it might take you 10 years of busyness to finally you know put some damage on this thing and then the beautiful thing is once you get that symptom or that expression then you can make the change right that could be um 
any number of things. And I had Amanda Vollmer on the podcast. It was a really great show talking about health and all these different things. And she said, you know, when you see uh, the result of something, let's say you see a, a scab or a boil or she's talking about chickenpox in, in particular, she's like, you know, uh, it's it's a result usually of something else going on in the body. So it's just a signal. So the signal is a good thing. Just like mm. if you uh, put your hand on a hot stove, thank you that I'm getting the signal that this is hot because then I can take my hand off and I will right. have less damage. So when you're ill and the body's producing something, you can have a reflection time to say, hey, what is producing this? What do I need to change? How do I get back into homeostasis and um, have the body work naturally so it can it can do and be what it's uh, supposed to or are made to do anyway and uh, work at its optimal level? And I feel like what's happening is we are just throwing so much at our minds and bodies that we can't do it all. So we're doing everything half-assed and we're not focused on anything. It's like, there's one of these quotes that says, you overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do. Yeah. In and through this experience, I've had uh, my, my podcast banned and shadow banned and deleted all my stuff. And, and if I think about it, it's a bummer and it does piss me off a little bit, but you know, not, not as much as it should really, you know, because I know I'm not going to give up and I can start at zero you know, people sometimes say, oh, I wrote an article and trying to do this and I don't have as many views as I want. I was like, man, I just did episode 400 and something. I think it's only got like 500 views on one of the shows. Some of them get more or less, right? Yeah. But I can only show up for work and I know I'm going to do that because I love it. And over time, it's going to build. It's going to get yeah. better. The quality is going to get better. So you got to give yourself that time and space and dedication and do it with kind of a level of mastery and peace and flow. Or if you rush through it, you're going to be trying to get this result. And it's just I, the process will be un uh, will be challenging the whole way, right? It'll be just yeah. it, the whole way. You're just not going to enjoy the process where the whole entire thing is the process. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a lot of what you're teaching too. So um, this has been all fantastic. I really enjoyed uh, all of these tools and I'm grateful that it's practical. I love practical self-help books. I'm looking through, it's got strategies. It makes sense. You know, I can dig it. I can do something. Um, so just thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your work. Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to discuss before we close it out? Yeah. So, so I would say, so I'm going to make a shameless self-promotion, but, um, uh, but I'd love for your audience. If this sounds interesting to you, go to killbusy.com, killbusy.com. And I will actually give you the book for free if you'll pay for the shipping and handling. Um, I, I like, I just want to get this out there because it is truly an epidemic. Uh, so killbusy.com, I'll send you the book for free if you will uh, pay for the shipping and handling. And man, here's the last thing I would say is, if this, um, for if you're listening to this and this is is resonating with you, and and you're saying, you know, yeah, I'm I'm experiencing that stress and I'm experiencing this, you have the power to decide. That's why that is the first step. Is you have the power to say, everybody else around me is telling me that I need to be busy and I'm going to choose to live a different type of life. And so make that decision to get unbusy, and the rest will follow. So. That's it, man. Beautiful. I love it. Well, I appreciate it. This has been fantastic and very helpful for me. So I'm, I'm certainly going to apply 
you know, what you shared in this podcast to cut some things out. And I've done that more and more recently. So I'm just uh, grateful for the work uh, and what you're putting out in the world. It's so needed. You know, there's there's a thousand and one books out there. Ninety nine percent of everything is about get more, get more, uh, get more. And one side of the equation is efficiency, is making sure you're showing up for work, is putting in that effort. But on the other side, it is, uh, you know, you don't want to go too far. You know, it's the, yeah. middle, the middle way well, is always the way. Yeah. And and that's what's crazy. I've accomplished more professionally and personally in the last five years after getting unbusy than I had ever accomplished accomplished the years before that. So it's a formula. It, it truly is steps to accomplish more and more of your big dreams and high priorities. It's just totally counterintuitive to how we think we need to do it. We think we need to hit the gas and go harder and faster and longer. And the truth is we actually need to slow up a little bit and we can do so much more. Amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I invite everybody to check out the book. Uh, you can't really bit, uh, beat free, free, free book. So get, yeah. get the book. <laughs> Get the book, leave a review. It's helpful, but in a lot of work. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you. And, uh, thanks, thanks, Matt. Appreciate you, man. Okay, take care. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Garland Vance. Like I said, he has been kind enough to do a mini course that is in the members area, um, going a little bit deeper on inhibiting beliefs and how we can deconstruct those. There are other um, exclusive content in the membership, so that's the best way to stay in touch in case they zap me anywhere. Um, and then I'm also looking at some other platforms as well. Um, please bear with me as all of this stuff happens because it is just added um, 10 times the amount of work work that I already do on creating the show, um, on fighting censorship and what to do and all the tasks that go around it and all the uploading. Uh, it's crazy. You know, it took, you know, 40 hours a week before. Now it's even more, uh, on top of all the other studying and, and family obligations and obviously life. Cause like I said, this is uh, mostly a volunteer, um, gig right now. Hopefully it will pay the bills one day. And, um, I'm very much looking forward to that. And so, um, but right now I'm just doing the best I can. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you. And if you want to support the show, uh, go over to mattbelair.com, become a member, share, leave a review, do all that kind of thing. Uh, but the most important thing and the best thing you can do is do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. And, uh, that's it. So yeah, so stay in touch. Um, and let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this out. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, love, excitement, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace.